Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Longkang Kitties podcast, where we talk about Singaporean stuff in a Singaporean drain. So we have had many, many, many famous guests that have uh, graced our podcast for these 30 over episodes that we've been here. We have had Saifu, we've had Danny from Economical Rice, right? We've also had Halima Yaakob, Heng Suikiet, yep. Tom Hanks. Totally. All these uh, distinguished personas. But today, we have the most distinguished and most famous persona of them all. And uh, can you please introduce yourself, sir? Um, hi, my name's Eugene Tan. I'm also back of the bus. Would you, would you let us know the the genesis of the name Becca the Bus? Oh, um, well, I came to drag at the age of 27 in Boston, Massachusetts. And when I started, I was adamant that my drag name was Eugene because I thought that was really political to not have a drag name. And one day, my boss, because I worked in a queer theater company, and my boss used to be a drag performer as well, he just said to me, he's like, you know, you should just have a drag name. Like, stop being an asshole. People want you to have a drag name. Can you just have a drag name? And I was like, okay, if I have a drag name, I want it to be punny and I want it to be political, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And so I named myself after Rosa Parks. Actually, For those who don't know, she was the lady that sparked off the, the civil rights movement when she was forced to sit at the back of the bus. And so back at the bus. And yeah. she refused to do it because mm. she was tired. Uh, oh she'd my work. god! Because she'd worked the whole day. Okay, so like, did no, you- no, I did not name myself after a bus. It's not a fat joke. Although, if you want to think about it that way, that's fine. Um, so you were mentioning earlier that you are a drag queen and all that. Uh, we haven't really gotten around to introducing all of you. So could you also uh explain to our audience as to what is it that you do? <laughs> as a drag performer? Yeah. Um, let us know about your show and so on and so forth. Yeah, plug, yeah. plug. Oh, plug. Okay. <laughs> wow, thanks. Um, so I produce and host a show called Riot, hosted by Becca the Bus. It's currently Singapore's only regular drag review. It is, its intent is for drag performers to do whatever the hell they want. Riot has been running for quite a while, right? So in February, on February 9th, we're celebrating our fourth anniversary. Wow, congrats, congrats. congrats. Which is a bit of a joke because it's not as if we actually ran for all four of those years. Has there been like a very different audience uh, throughout the four years? Like, have you seen more different people coming in or? So I think of the Riot audience as being about 50% of people who've been before on any given night, maybe even more than that. And maybe about, of that, of the people who have been before, I would say about a third of them Mm. have been more than twice in the last six months. Yeah, I I think more people come out now than we used to have in 2015. You know, uh, we routinely sell out at this point. So that's kind of cool. It's, uh, it creates a different kind of a problem, but that it's, it's It's a a good problem to have. It's Mm. absolutely a good problem to have. And it's much better than the other version of that problem. Of course. Um, So yeah, I mean, and, and we're also increasing, and I, I don't know how much of this is because of something like drag race and, you know, the sort of like cultural stuff that's associated with that. And how much of that. it is just because you've been around for so long, people know about you. And yeah, you. I mean, um, I, I do know that increasingly we get, we, we seem to always have people in the house who are like, oh, I just Googled drag show and found you guys, which is cool. I'm really excited. 
I'm sad for them because, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not the most beautiful drag queen in Singapore. Let's just get very real about that. You know, and I, and I, and I wish they could experience some of the breathtaking beauty of some of my sisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they landed on me and well, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to take their money. Happy to have a good time with them. I'm just wondering because like how much of the drag show is actually centered on beauty because when I I've seen Riot like once I mean clearly and, not if I'm still in business yeah so, so <laughs> <laughs> because lot, I think a lot of it is about the theatricality and the, the performance and and all that stuff right like you you want to be entertained and yes, yes I think the beauty part maybe probably secondary to most audiences I don't mm. know I don't think it's necessarily about the beauty part of it. I think it's often about the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It's about the sort of... I think it very often is about the improbability of what you're looking at, right? That, like I've seen you, some of your costumes. They're pretty... Improbable? Amazingly outrageous, I would say. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think a lot of it is really about the aesthetics. And, and that gets expressed in, in, in different ways. There's like, there are the girls who are sort of like beautiful in a way that's just like almost not human there are people like me who you know i i think i recently described myself as uh, a bouncy castle but fashion for yourself right like with the genesis of the riot drag show to say that it's off the beaten path is quite an understatement the 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 way that like how is it that you came about creating this show do you mean like in my life or do you mean the kind of the way the show is um in your life oh okay um well in 2015 i turned 37 and realized that 50 is not that far away and one day the space will collapse and when it does drag's not possible anymore because you literally can't paint it anymore when it's collapsed and so i just kind of was like it's it's like i either become a performer and do it for real or it's not going to happen and so i chose to do it for real it is true that I mean, first of all, I say that Riot is Singapore's only regular drag review, but it's not Singapore's only drag show, right? There's lots of ways in which you can see drag in Singapore. There's a there's actually a quite stunningly large number of drag performers for a country the size that it is. A lot of the venues that would hire drag performers and a lot of the sort of platforms and, and shows that exist currently function in very specific ways for you know all sorts of reasons including like the kinds of venues that they're in the kinds of shows that they are the sort of the sort of economics of running the these these parties that they're usually a part of and they're very often knitted into dance parties like gay club nights you know and in that situation there's always a need for drag performers to sort of project a certain particular look or certain particular style that's associated with the party and when you are a performer that's like me, who looks quite different than most of the other performers in town, the possibilities of being booked in those situations become quite limited. And that's, that's the, the reality. I started my own show because no one's show would really hire me. Yeah. And also, I mean, it, it's funny because like you, you, you know, I, I get why you would say something like, Oh, it's kind of like off the beaten path. But then on the other hand, we're maybe one of the few drag shows in Singapore that runs in a not gay venue and generally in fairly accessible spaces. I'm just trying to venture into the business territory of it already, mm-hmm. but I am I'm more interested about the person be- behind the mic right now. Would you, would you be willing to share with us some of your your adventures that you had when you were younger, or if you're willing to share with us like stories of how um if if anybody has ever bullied you. Or treated you unfairly because of the person that you are? I think that if we're talking about because of the person I am and we're talking about sort of like interpersonal BS, I don't know. I, I, I don't 
I've been relatively fortunate, right? So I, I have a family that's completely supportive. They come to my shows. Mm. My mother shares every single fucking post I make about the show. You know, like that's that sort of thing, right? They're, they're totally on board. I feel like most most of the most of the crap that I've gotten has been about being fat more than it's been about being like faggoty, mm. right? Mm. Or effeminate, or gay, mm. or or whatever it is. Interesting, interesting. And 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 but how- I, but I don't think that's a, I don't actually think that that's uh, an unusual experience. I've heard lots of fat gay people right. talk about this. That actually. This world shits on fat people much more than it shits on... Well, not much more, because, you know, very few fat people actually, like, get killed um, for being fat, right? right. Like, right. You, you don't really get a gun pulled on you for being fat in the way that, you know, that can happen for being for being queer. Uh, you know, there's not a law in Singapore, for instance, that outlaws being fat. Not yet. Uh, Thanks. Until the, <laughs> the tax on sugar comes along, then the uh, next step will be, uh, you know... Well, anyway, I digress. We we can... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, then, I mean, let me be even more specific as to the angle where I'm coming from. Yeah. Right now... Uh, why, don't, why don't we talk about where you're coming from? <laughs> <laughs> He's just... Right now, okay, if I was a young you're boy... coming right now. <laughs> Thanks. He comes all the time. All the time. On the with, 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 with a little giggle, no less. <laughs> Dan is famous for drawing dicks everywhere. Yes. 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 Talking I'm, about his I'm, dick I'm, all the time. I'm aware. Oh, you are? Oh. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Mm. So if I was a young boy in a secondary school now, yes. right, uh, like maybe a young Eugene Tan, right? Yes. Immediately in Singapore, I'd be like, hey, this is, this is real. This is what happened. Um, so I would imagine that that is true. I unfortunately didn't go to that kind of a school. Ah, I see. I so see, like, I, see. I went to the opposite kind of school, which is like <laughs> the crazy rich Asians kind of school. Ah. Uh, I'm an ACS girl. And, um, and as an ACS girl, yes, you sometimes got shit for being, uh, gay and effeminate and all those things. Although we never, because it, because it's an all boys school, at least at the time that I was there, what like gay weren't really thrown around that much. I was in the drama club. We didn't need to say much more than that. Like people knew what that meant. Uh, Actually, I don't. <gasps> I'm sorry. Would, I mean, would you use just for ima- my edification? Use your imagination, mind? darling. The- do, do you guys, I mean, I'm pointing to, to the both of you now. Do you guys know about this stereotype? Why are you pointing at the woman about ACS? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a stereotype right now that I'm not aware of. A stereotype like, of what? I mean, for drama ACS club. ACS drama boy. What does that mean, you know? No, I think just drama club in general, right? Like, it's always been a safe space for the queers. Yeah, like Especially it has certain queers. stereotypes and stuff okay. attached to it. Like, for okay. example... People, I mean, just think about all the cultural medallion recipients in Singapore for theatre and all the men. How many of them are straight? Oh, yeah. That's actually a good point. Regarding what you said about ACS drama, drama boys and all that, mm. uh, just sort of brings me back to one of these interviews you gave at uh, dearstraightpeople.com. Ah, yes. Yeah. And mm. then the, there, was a, there was a quote in there which I find really, really interesting. So I'll just read the quote out. Uh, in a weird way, I've always found spaces that we think of as masculine like all-boys school and the army as to be accommodating of gay men. These, spaces, these spaces seem to always have just understood that I'm just different. So, is this the experience that you've had like most of the time? Or So, I'm told that things are different now. So, I, I, I think that's the first thing I should say. That has generally been my, my personal experience of these spaces that are largely about if not hypermasculine, at least single gender. I think that's yeah. that's what I was getting at, right? Like these sort of like all boys schools and yep. and the military. That in in a way, like okay, so nobody wants to know about your sex life, 
right? In these situations, very often nobody really wants to know about your sex life. I think you're wrong. Everyone wants to know. Everybody wants to know, but that's a little gay to find out. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's not go there. Um, and, and nobody wants you to like hold up their lives. Okay, so if you're going to be, if you're going to be like, like say, if you're in the army and you're going to be just unable to do shit, that's a problem. But on the other hand, it's like everybody, like I never, I was not, I wasn't out in the army, but everybody knew. I was kind of treated that way too in like in my in my own in my own company. So does yeah. it also have to do with your personality? Have you always been so confident? I I suppose I don't. I actually don't know the answer to this question. But have you always been like this? Have you ever been like a, what, a more what, shy, what, retiring gay? type? <laughs> no, like shy and retiring and not so... I actually loud. am extremely shy, which most people don't realize. And I'm constantly overcompensating. And then, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's, the, that's the reality of me as a performer, right? Is that actually mm-hmm. I'm extraordinarily shy. My entire performance persona, whether it's on stage or off, so... Another big chunk of work that I do is at a, a, set, a venue called Lulu's Lounge, where I'm paid to mingle in the room. So I'm kind of just running around. It's like, imagine doing stage bander, but one-on-one for three hours at a stretch, right? It sounds tiring oh. already. Um, <laughs> like painful, painful I, I, stuff. I, it's a do. lot of fun because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to sort of like sharpen your wit, if you, if, you, if you will. I mean, if you want to talk about it as like a practice... There's nothing to hide behind, right, when you're sort of talking one-on-one. But then, of course, people are also very drunk, so that helps. This sort of persona where I'm running around and being loud and, and all the rest of that is actually not, a, you know, not 100% me. Yeah, I guess it's like a lot about the outward projection of yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. that they perceive. Because we don't, I mean, I've never seen you being shy and retiring. So, like, in my mind, you're always super confident and, you know. I mean, usually by the time I decide I'm going to say something, then, like, it's like I've decided I'm gonna say something. <laughs> gonna say <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, we're gonna say it, we're just gonna say it, right? But you know, there are lots of times when I'm like, yeah, I'm just not gonna engage. I'm just gonna sit in the back here and just chill. I, I have a theory, sir. You have a theory? Uh, yes. Please please tell me tell me what you think about these theories. Okay, my theory is that you are spared okay, in my, in your life you may be spared a lot of the uh, dare I say oppression, a lot of the, the bad vibes from people who do not accept you for who, whom you are simply because of your size. Could it be that? Let me let me be, let me be utterly honest with you, sir. Right? <laughs> right now, sure? if you if you yeah. were to throw a punch at me, right, with all your weight behind it. It'd be it, a really soft punch. No, I think you'd kill have me. You, have, have you have you felt the have you felt my hands? <laughs> They're so soft. You wanna to touch it? We're right next to each other. Touch Oh yes, thank you. Is that how you touch people then? Feeling, feeling each other at 2K19. <laughs> You're like poking, poking away. Yeah, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know where I'm coming from, right? You, you, you are larger, you are bigger, and there yeah, is... Yeah, I, I think that uh, most people don't imagine, don't, yeah, I don't I, think that most people think I'm gonna throw a punch. If anything, right. they're afraid I'll sit on them, right? I, I, see, I don't know. Like, that. I, don't I don't look like somebody who would throw that. a punch. Right. Je- you know, uh, for the most part, like, you, you know, I, 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 I look like a super effeminate faggot. Like, that's just I'm real. Saying, come and on, come on. No, I mean, I, I, I say that with quite a bit of pride. Oh. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's <laughs> taken me some time to reach this place where I get, where I feel confident in being the person that I am. And I am a super effeminate faggot. That's just real. So, yeah, what, what was the question? 
Uh, it wasn't a question. I just wanted to know what your what your thoughts were. I mean, we all know this is as objectively speaking as I yeah, can. You so are I extremely charismatic. You have a presence about you. And that presence, as much as it, as it charms, it can also be intimidating. So I think that... I, I don't think people think I will get violent, at least physically. I think that people assume that if anything, I will sit on them or B, I will like cut them like kind of like carry a knife around like vocally yeah like I would say something really tough or whatever and the but the but the truth is that actually so a friend of mine Bobby was recently saying that like yeah lah that's your brand lah you just like to call people out I'm like I don't really oh okay maybe I do I don't know but I guess like in this day and age uh, especially on social media people are more afraid of being called out than actually getting physically punched I think what? As they should okay. be, because I feel like there's a lot of shit that deserves a good call out every now and then. Hmm. And actually, for the most part, in general, the times when I've like, whether you want to say call out or like bitched about somebody or whatever, like, I, for the most part, I'm not looking to destroy them. Is there a lot of backlash sometimes when you do call people out? Like, people react against you or. Oh, you could share with us an example where you have actually been, I don't know, mad enough or mad enough or if you care enough to call out somebody. Or can, can you give us, give us an example of sorts? I mean, yeah, sure. So in 2017, I started a new film series at the projector called The Glory Hose Present. This was with me, Prashant, who used to run Artistry um, and now runs its mission bar at the projector, and Bobby, who used to run Butterfactory. Started, it started us one day being like, hey, there are all these like gay movies that are very fun, right? Like, can we like watch them and then like, can we like yell at the screen and shit? And so we started this thing called The Glory Host Present. And The Glory Host Present is a film series of cult gay films. So we never screen anything that's new. We only screen stuff that people would have some memory of. And we create a situation in which people are encouraged to misbehave. So they're encouraged to yell at the screen. They're encouraged to sing along. They're encouraged to boo, to hiss, to cheer. And most of all, they encourage you to drink a lot. So we set up a bar in the theater. We play drinking games. Uh, people get dressed up to come, um, so on and so forth. In 2017, we did the first one. It was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And then there's an, after, there's an after party, dance party. And out of that, we were invited to do an event in collaboration with, I'm sorry, in conjunction with uh, the M1 Singapore Fringe in 2018. And we did. Uh, we proposed. It was accepted. We uh, we were asked we were asked to submit a bunch of work to confirm our our, our participation in, in the fringe. We did the work. It was confirmed, and then it was pulled out. It was and then the fringe pulled out for reasons that they would claim have to do with a bunch of things. But in reality, their funder got nervous. As as, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. their funder got nervous, and they decided that. Screw their principles. Money was more important. So we insisted that, and and when they told us this, they told us that we weren't allowed to talk about it, which really kind of like got under our skin. And so we said, you know what? No, I think you should we should talk about it, and we're going to invite you to we're going to invite you to frame it. And they refused, and they just ignored us. So we dropped a press release like three hours before the press conference. Nice. Has there been backlash? Yes. I mean, you have playwrights like Alfian Saad who defends the necessary stage to, to his dying day. Um, and he's, you know, of course, he's allowed to. I mean, I get that 
the company was like super important to his coming up as a playwright. I mean, like it makes sense in a way that's like attacking somebody's artistic parents. Like I, I understand what that's about. It doesn't change the fact that the company is not the company he remembers it being, right? It's now run by two old people and their general manager, who in my mind is completely incompetent. That's really interesting. Like, and you said it was in 2018 mm-hmm. that it happened. So it was just last year. I, yeah, I mean, I, but okay. but let's but let's not forget that Singapore has taken a more conservative turn of late, right? Like that's a, that's yeah. A, so when we you know we say, oh my god, it's twenty eighteen. Yes, and twenty eighteen is not twenty fourteen. Really? So you think that Singapore will something quite significant we, happened in twenty fifteen, right? Uh, yeah, in two thousand fifteen. Oh, LKY. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. oh, you must understand, he's not dead to me. You know, he he rests in my heart forever. He's a symbol. Oh, I'm now. sure. He lives forever in Dead's heart. But like, why? Like, I I would have expected the opposite. You know, like it would free up. I think after it. His I, death. Yeah, but I mean, there the, there has been a whole bunch of writing about why that is, and and the kind of. Um, Various people have posited about a kind of like loss of confidence, you know, a kind of like unwarring or a kind of destabilizing. Of oh, and so the fear drives people to be more conservative. Yeah. In, oh, and it's really interesting because um, Lee Kuan Yew, while he was never really like out and out like super LGBT supporter, like some some of his quotes and statements have been quite neutral. I would say. I mean, that's the best way to. Put I mean, it, I, I guess. think that yeah, yes. Uh, it's 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 something that's been said about Singapore LGBT, you know, like queer uh, activism in Singapore, right? Like in in a bizarre way, Singapore Stonewall happened on national TV out of a politician's mouth, right? And that was, I believe, it was Go Chao Tong saying, talking about senior mem- senior members of the civil service that they could be they could they could be gay and still be in the civil service at, at fairly senior levels, and then also LKY's thing about like being born whichever way and you know like yeah all, like all those all those comments it's always in, been in, relatively neutral i mean ish. you could say neutral and you could also recognize that in the times that they were said it was actually maybe a little bit more positive than yeah neutral. whereas like some of our later politicians have actually not been so neutral about or positive i mean it's controversial to say this but like it's also public information that if you go onto the parliament website and you look up and you look up every one of these politicians who've said fairly homophobic things, you could also look up look them up under religion, for example, and you'll find patterns. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Certain patterns. You're very careful with your words. You're really good with your words. <laughs> well, I, I, no, because I, it's not... It, I, I would say that... The other way of saying it is that you, you'll notice that they're all Christian, but actually that really flattens what I'm talking about, right? That it, it, it's, it's much more than that. There's more complexity to it than this. How do you think the overall conversation should be like? Because I think right now the the conversation hopefully intelligent. Yeah, (laughs) it's just it's just about one side shutting down the other side. I think I think this occurs primarily on the conservative side naturally, but I think occasionally even the progressive side tends to just shuts down any conversation. They just have this. Axiomatic yeah, so thing. I'm gonna speak for a moment as a as a pers- as a as a human being, as a drag queen, as a as the as Eugene Tan. So this is not me as an activist. I mean, I think that assuming that both that both sides of this conversation are rational is insane. Um, can you explain a bit more. <laughs> so the idea that gay people are not equal to everybody else and don't des- and deserve to not be criminalized for the sex that they have mm-hmm. is insane. 
the criminalization part yeah so I, that, I mean there's not even a conversation like in, in my mind that's not a conversation to be had mm-hmm. like I don't think you can like actually pony up and and say and, and as the Straits Times has done actually and give a full page op-ed to somebody whose entire point was my relationships are better than yours that's insane it's insane that we're wasting ink it's insane that we're hearing this at all it's insane that we're giving this a time of day it's insane that we're that we're looking at that in some kind of way that's equal to a counter-argument that just says, hi, we're not in the Middle Ages. Hmm. Yeah, like, I think the other point of this uh, so-called non-conversation is the fact that where the conservatives are coming from, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a position and a stance that is very religion-driven, whereas Singapore is fairly secular, you know, like, and I don't like the mixing of secularism and religion into our state laws. And yeah, the other thing is, of course, like. So I mean, I, I guess I should I should say this: the repeal three seven seven A movement, ready for repeal, recently uh, encouraged a bunch of volunteers to present the petition signatures to the MPs uh, at meet the people sessions and to talk about what our concerns were. And I volunteered to do it. So I actually, never met my MP before. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's your MP, by the way? My MP is Alex Yam, and actually the conversation was for the most part friendly, and I did not find him to be disinterested in listening. He was also very, very upfront about his own position about stuff. So he's, you know, he 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 said to us straight up that as a Catholic person, he could not, in their conscience, advocate for a repeal, but he was willing to hear us out. And, so on and so forth. Mm. But there was a point in the conversation in which he said, and and this was after, so, you know, there, there were maybe four of us in, in that meeting and we talked and, you know, to also full credit to the man, he gave us a full hour of his time. Like people stayed, stayed back late that night and, and all the rest of that, which is great. But there was a point in this conversation where I said to him, I know how Meet the People sessions tend to be about bread and butter issues. And I'm here to tell you that this is a bread and butter issue for me. It is a bread and butter issue for me because I am telling you that I do not feel safe walking from my home to the MRT station in what is essentially my work uniform because I have heard what's said behind my back. I have seen the way people look at me. I just know that it is not safe. Have you ever like felt threatened, um, not just by looks or words, but also like the possibility of violence here in Singapore? Yes, like that's real, right? Like there are re- there are reasons that drag queens don't use men's bathrooms. Besides the fact that it looks very weird, there are reasons that we don't use men's bathrooms. And yes, that's a part of that's the part of me not feeling safe. That is like my own neuroses. I'll own that. But what it means in reality is what should cost me two dollars and ten cents to get to work cost me twenty four dollars. So this is real bread and butter, like real dollars and cents making a living kind of bullshit that we're talking about. This is not some airy-fairy, I had no role models growing up kind of stuff, which is also important, but I get how that's a very abstract. I'm trying to put it to you in terms that are completely real. And his rejoinder to that was that the fears of the people who are pro-keeping 377A, retaining 377A, are just as real. To which I would have to say that if we are going to sit around and say that the imagination of Armageddon, because men are not going to go to jail for having sex the way they're already having sex right now is somehow as real as a fear of violence. 
his conversation is completely screwed up. That's not a real conversation we had. This is not about shutting something down. This is not about all that. This is not logical. This is not. This is not a rational conversation. So maybe like, we can move a bit away from the from three seven seven A and maybe talk a little bit more about the community in general. Like I know, I know you don't like to speak on behalf of others, but mostly because I'm terrible at it. Yeah, but do you think that just in general that there is animosity between like various groups and it's very it, it can it can be quite hostile. Let's say for instance with the trans like drag houses. <laughs> like with the trans community and with the drag queen community for for example. Do you think that there there is something there? Like hmm. animosity or Um I don't know that I'm like equipped to respond to that as a person who's not trans and as a person who's worked with trans performers. I don't necessarily experience it as animosity or would you call it like some sort of tension i mean i i brought this up i know there's no relevance of it in singapore but there there was a there was a gay pride that was i think cancelled or they they they, they banned drag queens from appearing in the pride parade for fear of offending trans people and especially in america there's this like conversation going on about exactly what kind of relationship trans and drag queens have and there are people who are not post op, not post op yet. Who are essentially dressing up? You could call it, and they 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 sort of don't know where they stand. It becomes like a very complicated relationship, I think, between these two groups. So I think that to describe, I think I think part of the problem here is the framing of of this. To describe trans folk and drag queens as two groups is. It's, it's quite flattening, right? So, in the first place, there are trans people who are drag performers, just as there are drag performers who later come out as trans. Like that, that that's a phenomenon, and we've actually seen this on TV at this point. I think also that to say that all trans people become one group is kind of crazy, because in a way, again, not trying to speak for trans people, but sort of observationally, we can tell that actually, you know, we know that trans is an identity. As, a, as an identity encompasses a very large number of different identities w- within itself, right? And different experiences and different points in, if you want to talk about, a, a, if you want to talk about a journey or whatever, like, you know, people, people, you're, you're talking about people at different points in their lives, put it that way. So is there an animosity between the two? I, I, I don't know that I know the answer to that question. There have been times when there have definitely been tensions. And just as there have been times, and just as there have been times in which people have been able to define something like drag or something like trans to exclude one or the other, so it's possible to define drag in a way that excludes trans people, and just as, as it's it's possible to define transgender as an umbrella term to exclude drag performers, um, and not, to me, neither of those positions actually, for myself, seem particularly logical, but. But it works for whoever it is. And, and what would be your position on what? Like just how how we can set about definition, or do you think there needs to be definition to begin with? I think that I think as is the case of many sort of identity driven things, these things are always quite personal, right? It's sort of like how do you define being a man? So and and I think where there's tension is where there's not there's not a sort of common understanding, not necessarily even agreement, but common understanding of what those what those positions are, right? 
I, you know, I, I have some sympathy for this idea that that drag sometimes can be quite detrimental to trans people. You know, like the, the idea that because drag queens are very often caricatures of women or caricatures of men or caricatures of, you know, people would say one, one of the ways in which drag is defined is that it pokes fun at gender. But really, what it's going after is this big idea that that gender essentially is a bullshit construct. Sometimes I agree with it, sometimes I don't, but whatever. And I understand how, for some trans folk, you know, that can be viewed as being quite detrimental to to their survival. I, I personally always take the view that context matters. And certainly I've seen your show before. I, I don't think you're taking the piss out of any transgender members. Right, you, you more. I mean, the 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 point of the point of the show is really just to entertain. You're not <laughs> the point of the show is there isn't one, but yes. Um, <laughs> well, that's I, not true. I'm not Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, I am entertained. Yeah. I mean, I th- I I mean, I will say that for myself uh, and my own understanding of drag, it first and foremost has to entertain. I think that those of us who think of ourselves as artists and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who, who use terms, sorry to make fun of you, of, of you again, but, you know, who use terms like my practice or whatever, right? I, I get that. But at the end of the day, if you're, you know, I like to say that as a drag performer, my medium is entertainment, which is different than to say I'm an entertainer, which also means that if what I'm doing is not actually entertaining, I'm not actually doing my job. You know, there's nothing worse than watching a drag queen go on performance and it's just not entertaining. You're like, what the fuck are we doing here? Mm-hmm. That, but that's how I approach drag. And there are drag performers who don't approach drag that way, and I get that. You know, just, just as there are drag performers who, like, your first thing is to be beautiful and sexy. Okay. And for some people, that's entertaining. For some people, it's just so like, okay, uh, all right, I don't really want to sleep with you, but okay, you're feeling a fantasy. Have you ever been accused of being too much of a businessman uh, I prefer businesswoman um, <laughs> specifically international businesswoman no I don't think so I could but I will say that I am very fascinated because I'm working in the in, because again because the medium is popular entertainment I am very fascinated by how things like the real estate market impacts the kind of drag that happens somewhere there is a relationship between... Oh, yeah, yes. Just now, you just said it, right? Previously in the podcast. Yeah. Rent is cheaper. Uh, you can take more risks. Right, right, right. You know, on a very simple level. Just as on a very simple level, I, you know, nobody nobody has ever backed this up, but I personally believe that a big part of the reason that drag in Singapore looks the way it looks, especially for performers who kind of come of age here and sort of, you know, and, and hone here. Can I just stop you here yeah. and just, like, get uh, an explanation of what you mean by looks how it looks how does drag in singapore look yeah so i'm about to get to that right so like for performer i think that for performers who find drag in singapore and come of age and find their sort of aesthetic in singapore it tends to be very feminine it tends to be very much about female impersonation rather than gender fucking it tends to be beautiful like really breathtakingly beautiful passably female sometimes even very glamorous nice wigs beautiful dresses very polished that whole thing yeah Yeah. polished when you look at a lot of the drag performers that are performing that are in singapore today who who work in in this in this way 
you can trace a lineage of pedagogy. Big words. But, but you, you know, you can trace like a lineage of mentorship to Booger Street. And what was Booger Street? And what, how did, how did drag performance happen in Booger Street? Well, it happened as a way to advertise your wares because Booger Street was about trans sex workers and sailors and other, and other tourists. You couldn't really, you wouldn't have been performing if you were not trying to say that I'm beautiful and, and all these other things. And that has an impact still today. And that has, that's a, that for me, that's a really perfect example of how things like real estate and, and and the economy and policy affects like aesthetics. So, do you feel like there has been um, a shift away from this sort of aesthetic? Because, um, like, a lot right. of people are more exposed to the internet. They watch like you know Western. Um, yeah, so I, I think that I I I've, I mean I've talked about this in a, in, a, in a bunch of different places. Again, this is like my own theory about stuff, but I think that the big, the strongest, the biggest impacts on the drag scene in Singapore aesthetically. Happened two things of the, in, in recent in the last say five to ten years, Lady Lady Gaga and the Little Monsters, who are all you know for the most part that's really about gender fucking. It's about a kind of almost alien aesthetic and and, and you know and those things. Little Monsters are what Lady Gaga fans are called. Right? That's yeah, the, but they but they get dressed for these concerts. That you know there's an there's this idea that you know you want to fully express yourself in the way you dress and the way you behave and. And then I guess the other big cultural impact, American specifically, would be RuPaul's Drag Race, and that and that has had an impact in terms of like the kinds of drag that's happening that you that you're seeing. But it's also had an impact on how much people are spending on their drag now, right? Because like, you know, you have you have contestants on All Star saying things like, "I spent twenty five thousand dollars too," like before I even walked in the door, and like. There, there, there have been seasons where, like, every single girl comes on, like, every time they, they, they appear in the show, they're in a different wig, and each of those wigs is, like, a couple hundred bucks. Like, that's, that's the reality of what that looks like now, and you can achieve something quite close to that for less money, but it's still a lot of money. Actually, how do you feel about RuPaul's track race? Like, do you think it's, I, I, the, from the way that I'm hearing you talk about it, you don't seem to like it. There's a bit of saltiness there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm salty about it, but I think that we need to recognize it for what it is. So one, it is a real it is a reality TV series. It is not reality. It is a reality series about drag. It is not drag in and of itself. So th- those two things are important to point out first and foremost. Secondly, it is a reality series about drag in the US. Yeah. And when we look at it and say that, oh, Performers on that are like some are the best in the world. Were a erasing the work of performers everywhere else in the world. We're assuming that because somebody has said something particularly radical on that show, it is more radical than anything else that happens anywhere else in the world. And I think that's crazy. Like I last year, I wrote, I I, I reviewed Kumar's show at the Capitol at the Capitol Theater, uh, Kumar Fifty. And and in it, I, I pointed out, because the show happened maybe a couple of days after RuPaul gave this interview in The Guardian, in which she said that trans women were not could not be contestants on the show. It's not so much about the identity of being trans, it's about the sort of physical alterations to the body that would be like doping in the Olympics. Because you don't have to put in as much effort to like do stuff? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just find the idea, I, I mean, like... I find the idea of somebody having surgery for the for the purpose of survival and for the, for the purpose of affirming their own identities as being re- as being somehow related to doping in the Olympics to be just offensive. 
and and I say all, and, and and in this review of of Kumar Fifty, I I say that you know we're in the habit of Singapore just assuming that whatever comes out of the West is better than what we have here. But here is a performer who's been at it for a very long time, whose drag name is her given name, very masculine given name, who performs on stage, no breasts, no hip pads, constantly points out that he's a gay man. And we think that that's less radical than having surgery is like doping in the Olympics. Like, what is wrong with us? Can we not look at what is in our own backyard and recognize that there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting radical stuff that's even in in our quote unquote mainstream. So, like, just going back to what you said, do you think that the exposure towards uh, RuPaul has made us even more regressive? Would people look at this and be like, "Oh, he's not even putting on all the getup and stuff," and is this drag? Like, do you think? Well, that- I mean, I, yeah. So, I I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of like shitting on Drag Race fans online. Cause some, just cause some of the things that they say when you take it out of context sounds really funny, right? It's, it's like things like, oh, you're not wearing nails, you're not doing drag, or, you know, like <laughs> bullshit like that. <laughs> so yeah, I think there is, there is the potential for this idea that's like, oh, you're not wearing hip pads. What are you, a gender fucker? And it's like, no, cause that's not, just, that's just not the framework on yeah. which Kumar is working, right? Like Kumar is doing, what Kuma wants to do at this point and he's allowed to. Yeah. So it's not so much that, I think it's not so much that, oh, because of Drag Race, we don't pay attention to Kuma. It's that because of Drag Race, we don't pay attention to what is radical about what, is, what this is. And instead we say, oh, this other thing, you know, we'll pay $248 to meet and greet with some drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. I refuse to. But then we will we will bitch about like hundred dollar tickets to Kumar and what's that about, right? Okay, granted he didn't need to fly into Singapore, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he made the show specifically for you. He's not just importing whatever it is he's doing it everywhere. And else. it's local content, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And he's been a veteran, right? He's been doing it for close to a long time. Yeah, 20, we're, we're trying to avoid know. saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you just said like Kumar fifty, so I yeah, thought was he's, he's fifty. He's fifty years old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Does anybody have any more questions for for Eugene here? If not, we will go into our time-honored tradition. Oh, yes. Ah, can you feel it? <laughs> the quivering in the air. Give it to Sir, us, then. do we just all pee together? <laughs> we could. It's a bit awkward for me, but I can try. Shut up, you're sitting down. <laughs> sure. I could okay. try it standing up. So, on the Longkang Kitties, we have a time-honored tradition. Okay. Where Dan poses a hypothetical to all the people in the podcast. Okay. Right, so you have to you have to really believe in this hypothetical and really pretend that what I am saying is actually happening to you. And then you tell our audiences how would you how you would react in the instance of this magical moment happening. Okay. Um. I, um sure. Okay. Am I the only one answering this question? No. 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 All we of all, us. Yeah. We all everybody have to do has it. to answer. Okay. It's called Ben's magical moment. <laughs> okay, have you so. seen Ben's magical moment? <laughs> <laughs> it's very magical. I'm sure. It only lasts a moment. I, I have faith in you, Dan. Hey, hello. How dare you? How but, dare but you, But at least ma'am. it's magical, you know? It's not utterly forgettable. Or okay, fun. so for this particular one, is it okay if everybody closes your eyes? Okay, and close your eyes. John. Yeah, because the people listening can see us do that. <laughs> no, it matters to me. Because I, I, when you close your eyes, you are able, able to use your creative faculties more easily. I'm just okay. going to say, Dan, that when we open our eyes, you better not be naked. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it has happened before. <laughs> that okay. happened once. 
Okay, so everybody close your eyes. Okay, imagine. Okay, imagine you're walking down the street as usual. Mm. Walking down the street, going about your daily life. And a supernatural being appears in front of you. It could be Satan. It could be God. It could be any sort of magical deity. But it has taken a fancy to you, right? And with a wave of his or her or its magical hand, you suddenly change. And the form of your body changes like glue. And suddenly you look down at your body and you are beautiful. You are this, are these society standards of beautiful. You are fair. You are young. You are supple. You look almost like a, a Korean boy band member, but the only difference is that you are eaterally beautiful. When you look into, when people look at you, they swoon. You are so beautiful. You're so fair. You're so slender, right? But you look down and you pat your genitals. They are mysteriously gone. You have no genitals. And also you have no butthole. You are, for all intents and purposes, a sexless, beautiful angel. Okay? Like a Barbie doll. Something like that, like a Barbie doll. Okay? So, Ken. <laughs> or Ken doll. <laughs> so the question is, okay, there are two questions. The first question is, what will you do in the three days that you are this sexless, beautiful angel? And the second thing is, would you remain in this form perpetually? Okay, go. Let's start with John first. <laughs> John, you're beautiful. You are utterly beautiful. <clears throat> You know, don't go there. He's just gonna say, "I already know how that feels like." <laughs> <laughs> I already know how that feels like. Fuck off, John. Actually, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I is that there, so? There's no stipulation, ah. What was what? What do you mean? What stipulation? As to about? like, the, do I stay in this condition forever, or is it you have a choice? You have a choice to after three days. Yeah, be like this for three days, or after, or you just go back to your normal John form <clears> afterwards. <throat> I don't know, I might try to make some money out of it. Um, just by being beautiful for that three days. Yeah, but how can you make money in three days? Uh, I don't know why. I'll ask Eugene for help. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then after three days, I would want to revert back because I, I can't deal with being this genitalless, buttholeless creature that would feel no pleasure. So, yeah. Bring me back, please. I'm really okay. perfect as I am. Okay. I don't need any more help. For the purposes of this hypothetical, your sex drive does not disappear at all. Not oh shit, then that's, that's, that's even worse. <laughs> it's terrible. It's okay. a terrible moment then. Okay. Alright, Angie, your turn. Question. Can yes. you, do you eat? And if you eat... No, no, no. You're an oh. angel. You don't need to eat. You don't need oh. to... Yeah. Um, you're good. There goes the full of shit joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do you get your shit out? Uh... I would not want to be in this form forever. But I would definitely like strut down the street naked. You know, like just have people worshipping my body. Just walk down the middle of Otter Road, like totally naked. And then can, I don't think the police can even like accuse me of No, indecent, they'll probably be too stunned by your no, appearance. No, like indecent exposure because there's nothing to would expose. Would you have breasts? You have <laughs> breasts? Have like, there's no genitals, would you have breasts? Yeah, because like, do I have nipples? Yes. Oh. Because they were important, I think. <laughs> Okay, well, I, th- well, you know, yeah, okay. I would just also do that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, and you will not remain, yeah? No. Okay, what about you, Jerry? I would um, come down in a ray of light, <laughs> naked, at some church right. and fuck around with people. Like oh my god, you are evil. For three days. You're Hopefully a it's a weekend. Evil. Hopefully it's a weekend. And I'll do many shifts so I can go to multiple churches and fuck people. Holy for shit. three days. And then I'll revert back. You are, you are the most terrifying one among us. Yeah. I so you go to Theo Lee Ann's church. I always, I always <laughs> come and fucked up shit, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, it's if you're in a temporary form and you're in a situation where you can 
beauty is, is kind of a power. It and if you can power. abuse that power temporarily before like, okay, I'm going to fuck shit up and I'm going to go back to my normal life. Mm. I would do it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Eugene, right now in your beautiful form, you're looking at the mirror. You're, you, you, even you are dazzled by how beautiful you are. What are you going to do? So I feel like in that description that you just gave us of being genitalless and buttholeless <laughs> and, butthole, and buttholeless but ravishingly beautiful um, you've essentially described me in drag. Um, like the experience of being in drag is pretty much being genitalless and buttholeless. Like you just don't pee. Um, <laughs> you've got too many layers on. So actually, I, which is just all to say that I can relate with this idea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going. I. I. I no. <laughs> you get four hours of this, and no, I'm going to take a shower. Fuck this shit. Interesting. 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 I didn't expect you to come to a decision so quickly. I expected you to be tormented about it. I was disappointed. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, that's, that's all I live for, disappointment. <laughs> Just ask my mom. Your disappointment, Dan. <laughs> Yours tastes especially sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I'm Maybe afraid. they have given us a butthole, right? Yes. things will be a bit, then we might have to be more, more sexual. Yeah. Yeah, the point is that you, 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 you are supposed to be really beautiful, but you cannot get sex even if you wanted it. That that was the crux of the... Yeah, but if it's just butthole, then it's, it makes the, the decision more difficult. Like, you really have to think about it now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I just need to ask a question. Do you not have a mouth? Uh, oh, I forgot about... Yeah, but... Mm. You're all set, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot just be the giving end, I must be the receiving end. Some one Selfish. way or another. Yeah. Selfish. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> terrific, terrific, terrific. I believe I believe in the uh, mm. in the classic of cinema, Deep Throat. She had a clitoris at the back of her mouth. Yeah, but I don't. I know that for for a fact. Well, you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, John, have you ever um, deep throat someone? No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about Why? like you... <laughs> it's not my thing. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. You know, I was just about to share that um, I I am a straight person, but the closest I have ever come to receiving pleasure uh, while being penetrated is by taking a Q-tip and cleaning your ears. <laughs> no, this is serious. I'm very serious about this. Yeah, I'm very serious. You why are you looking at me like that? You you take a Q-tip, you put it in your ears, and you roll it around, and then the pleasure is so sublime that your toes will curl. Yeah, it depends. 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 By the way, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, put yeah. Q-tips in your ear. So, ah, yeah. right, right, right. You push the earwax deeper into your ear. Correct. Kind of. It impacts yeah. the earwax. Because yeah. Q-tips do not, in fact, work like mops. Yeah. The only thing that I enjoy at home in the privacy, you are, you are destroying it by saying I've it's unhealthy for me. I've had an impacted earwax and I had to go to the doctor to flush it out. <laughs> then, so don't was this it. at like Saligi? Uh, no, I, I was actually overseas when that happened and then I couldn't hear from one ear. I was like, oh shit, I'm going deaf. And I went to the doctor, he's like, oh no, you just have like... I once I once stuck a Q-tip in my ear, twirled it around for a little bit and the cotton butt fell off. Oh shit. Oh shit. And then I had to go to a doctor like downstairs and be like, uh, this just happened. And so he just pulled it on like five minutes. It cost me $35 for him to like <laughs> stick a tweezer in my ear. Yeah. Oh shit, he's out of business now though. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> okay. So don't right. fucking do it. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, take away the only thing that I find pleasurable. Fine, fine. You also have your uh, dirty den. You, you can still do that. Yeah, I'll do the dirty den instead. Uh, don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> I'll tell you after the podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you very much, ma'am, for coming. It doesn't on. matter, lah. It can be I don't know right now, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you very much, Eugene, for coming on our podcast. We are very appreciative of you, and you have truly entertained us. And we wish you for two thousand nineteen that you will continue to entertain uh, many, 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 many people. Well, thanks. <laughs> this pleasure was all mine. <laughs> In fact, I'm touching myself right now. <laughs> Maybe you could also just uh just give a final plug before we, we finish yes, off the podcast. Yes, yes. Ah, okay. So yeah, the next riot show. So plans. riot happens on the second Saturday of every month, uh, and the Glory Hills present happens on the last Friday of every month. Where can we find you online? Uh, riotdragshow.com. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at at Becca the Bus. Uh, B-E-C-C-A-D bus and at Riot Drag Show. Okay, we'll put the links down in our description yeah, box thanks. below and um, thank you so much for coming on yeah, today. Thank, thank, thanks mm, so much. I had a good time. Great. Bye. Bye, kids. Bye. See you next time. Wow. <laughs>